I'm actually going to call an audible on the movie trailer. Yeah, and I'll tell you why in just a second here. Uh, thank you so much for your worship this morning. Um, I want to answer one question that some of you have that are here all the time. Uh, that was Duncan's mom on the violin. So would you please join me? Oh, yeah, you can do that too. I, w- I was going to ask you to join me in praying she would move to Columbia. Uh, because... <laughs> I think she, uh, she is a music director or leads worship at a Lutheran church. I'm not exactly, I've, I haven't had a chance to meet her yet, but man, she was incredible. Um, I, I'm calling an audible on the trailer because I, I'm uh, guessing that most of you or a lot of you have seen this movie. And so I, I was just, you know, we were worshiping there. I was like, we probably don't need the trailer for this one. I think most of you have seen uh, this movie. We're talking about Encanto now that there's the trailer. We're talking about Encanto today. How many of you, show of hands, quick hand, how many of you have seen Encanto? Quick, okay. Yeah, a lot of folks have. And for the parents, the moms and dads, how many of you have seen it multiple times, <laughs> like over and over and over and over and over again? Yes. Uh, this may not have been the best choice for family movie night tonight because we are watching it tonight at 6 p.m., uh, we're turning the worship center into a movie theater. Tammy's got the popcorn machine. We got drinks. We got candy. You can bring the kids back and watch Encanto. Uh, we can all do it one more time for the kids. We, one more time. You can watch it for the kids. We are doing the sing-along version. Somebody told me, like, I thought you were kidding about that. Like, no, we ain't, I ain't kidding about that. We're doing the sing-along version tonight at 6 p.m. You don't have to have kids to come. So uh, those of you that like, you know, I want to come watch this movie. You're welcome to come. This is the only movie of the series that you don't have to have a subscription to a streaming service uh, to watch the movie. You can come watch it with us tonight uh, at 6 p.m. But uh, it's, it's worth seeing. This, this is a movie worth seeing. And that's something for me to say. That's quite a compliment because I'm not a huge fan of animated movies. Uh, I always choose one for at the movies. I always include one in this series, but I do it primarily for the kids, and I usually do it around the fourth holiday or somewhere in that the summer break kind of type holiday. Um, I've just ne- I've just never been a huge fan of animated movies for whatever reason. I just I, like I, Roman knows at our house when I when we're picking a family movie and the whole family's going to watch it. I got one rule: no cartoons. I want to see real people on the screen. That's just, that's always been my rule with Roman. So he, he, he knows that if you ask him. But um, this one, I obviously broke the rule for this one. This one's is really pretty good. I mean, it's, it's surprisingly deep and relatable. And somehow they wrote a movie about my family. And I don't know how they did it. Like, I don't know who was in the room and, and how the writers knew. that. But, I mean, I think most of you, when you watch this, you're like, they wrote a movie about my family. Because here's my one-minute summary of Encanto. Encanto is a movie about family dysfunction trying to hide behind images of function. <laughs> and, and that's every family I know, right? Every family I know. That I don't know where we got the term family dysfunction or dysfunctional families or that kind of thing. Every family I know is dysfunctional. If you don't think they're dysfunctional, you just don't know enough about them yet. You haven't, if you haven't been around them long enough, if you get around them long enough, you'll figure out that they're dysfunctional too. Because this family worked so hard, and this is a huge extended family in this, this family worked so hard to maintain an image of perfection externally while dealing with numerous cracks in the foundation internally. 
the magic wasn't all that it appeared to be. And there were family secrets that nobody talked about. There was a whole part of the family that nobody talked about because he would ruin the narrative. He would mess up this image, this image of perfection that they had worked so hard to craft. He would mess it up. He would ruin the perceptions that other people have of the family. So they just didn't talk about it. And uh, everybody in this family, I'm going to give you the synopsis here in just a second, but everybody in this family is gifted and exceptional, except for Maribel, because she didn't get the same gifts and exceptions that the rest of the family did. So I want to introduce you to the family, letting the family introduce themselves. This is the opening song. I won't do the whole opening song, but the a minute and a half of the opening song of the movie, and it'll kind of set up the synopsis if you have not seen it. Okay, here it is. So actually, the whole family has the gift of being in denial. So and here's, here's the synopsis for it. You got just a little bit of, of an introduction there, but Maribel's the central character, but the matriarch of the family is Abula. The, the grandmother family is, she fled her home country with her husband and her three children, Julieta, Peppa, and Bruno, and Abula's husband was killed by the attackers uh, because it's a Disney movie and something happens to the parents in every single Disney movie. And uh, the, the rest of the family were saved by this magical candle. And the magical candle created this uh, encanto, this village, and it created this casita, this magical house that they lived in. And the entire extended family lived in the magical house. So the, the family of Julieta, Pepe, and Bruno, they all lived together um, in this house. And each child at the age of five years old received a gift. So a special gift was bestowed upon each child at the age of five, except for Maribel. And so Maribel, for some reason, didn't receive a gift. She was the only child in the family that didn't receive a gift, the only child in the family that wasn't, quote, uh, special. And obviously that created a little bit of um, uh, stigma and created a little bit of maybe resentment and hurt feelings. And there, were a, there was a feeling in her of, Maybe she didn't fully belong to the family. She wasn't like the rest of the family. There was some of her missing, even though she shared the name of the family. She didn't fully belong in the family. And then when the next person in line got their gift, those feelings only intensified. But Maribel could see something in the family that nobody else in the village could see. Maribel could see that there were cracks in the family foundation. Maribel could see that uh, the magic was not all it was cracked up to be, that the gift was fading just a little bit, that the gifts were weakening a little bit. And she had this vision where the foundation was crumbling, the candle was going out, and the magic was going to go away. And she, she ran and told her grandmother about this vision she had because it scared her to see the family possibly be in threat. And she went and shared it with her grandmother. And her grandmother, of course, that alarmed everybody else, but her grandmother insisted, everything is fine. Everything is fine. She told the villagers, everything's fine. Everything's okay. She told her family in a family meeting, everything is fine. Everything is okay. But even Abula knew that things weren't all they seemed to be on the surface. Like there was something going on in the family and, and she knew that they were vulnerable, but she was never gonna let anybody else know that she knew that they were vulnerable. So uh, Maribel catches her in what she thinks is a private moment, confessing the vulnerability of the family. Like she feels that something's not quite right here 
and she feels that vulnerability. And so Maribel sets out and decides, I'm going to save the magic. I'm going to save this family. And I'm going I'm to keep this family from falling apart. And as she goes and tries to discover what's wrong with the family, she discovers that she's not the first family member to feel these feelings. And she's not the first family member to have this vision. There was another person who had had the vision earlier. But nobody's talking about him. Now, all I knew about from this movie, all I knew before I watched the movie was a song. It was the only song that I'd heard, and it was real popular on social media. And, and so when I started watching this movie, I only had one question. Well, really two questions. Number one was, who is Bruno? And number two, why is nobody talking about him? Okay, so if you didn't know the movie, uh, Bruno has the gift of telling the truth. And that's not always popular in families. So Bruno can see the future, and he can see what's going to happen in the family, and what's going to happen is not always positive, and so that's why we don't talk about Bruno. Bruno is the family secret that everybody has that nobody wants to talk about, and, and everybody's got a Bruno in their family, and I'm not saying a person. Don't try to look around at your family right now and go, you're a Bruno. Uh, I'm not, no, we're not talking about a person. I'm talking about Bruno as a metaphor for every family has something that we don't talk about, and, and we, we just, we don't talk about that. And whenever we get together as a family, we walk around that issue, we avoid that issue. If we bring it up, we get the dirty looks from the other people in the family, like, you know that we don't talk about that. That's something that we don't talk about here. It's kind of the elephant in the room that at Christmas dinners and at Thanksgiving dinners, we don't talk about it. And uh, Bruno's gift was um, being able to see things that the rest of the family did not want to see. So people did not want Bruno around. And he revealed, he was actually the first to reveal that the family was crumbling, that the family wasn't all that, that it, it projected the image of. He was the first to reveal that. And right after that song, and I only showed you half the song, but I had to work it in. That was for the little ones. Right after that song, uh, Maribel tells her dad that she, has, she knows about Bruno's vision. So she, she's discovered the family secret, so to speak. She, she says, I know about his, his vision. And this is her dad what her dad tells her, and this I quote from the movie, we say nothing. So Maribel said, you know, I, I know about Bruno. I know this family is in trouble. I know that they we're vulnerable. I know that there are some cracks in the foundation. And her dad says to her, we say nothing. Abella wants everything to be perfect. You did not talk to Bruno. The magic is not dying. The house is not breaking. Lucia's gift is not fading. No one will know. Just act normal. No one has to know. Did anybody grow up with similar family scripts? <laughs> I know, just don't talk about, I know, no, we're not going to talk about that. Just act normal, just smile, and pretend like everything is okay. Although, as it goes throughout the movie, this is what I mean by it, it's surprisingly deep. Like, every character is, is everything, they all know it's not okay. Lucia's struggling with it, Isabella's struggling with it, Bruno's struggling with it. They all know that everything is not okay, but everybody is trying to keep it quiet. And I thought of, of two verses. Uh, one of them is John chapter 8. I got them on the screen. I'll just use that. John chapter 8, verse 32. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
And he's referring to himself as truth, but there's a broader application here. And, and those who are in recovery would be familiar with the saying, we're only as sick as our secrets. When we refuse to acknowledge the truth, whether it's the truth about ourselves or it's the truth about somebody we love or it's the truth about our family, when we refuse to acknowledge the truth, we only get sicker. I like, I, nothing gets better by avoiding the truth. Nothing gets better by denying the truth. Nothing gets better by, by refusing to be honest about those things. Because when we refuse to acknowledge the truth, we live in denial and self-deception. And when we live in those things and we allow those things to define our reality, we can't acknowledge our weaknesses, we can't confess our sins, and, and if you can't acknowledge weakness and confess sin, you can't get help. And so when we can't get help, things could continue to, to get worse. It keeps us from doing the very thing that the Spirit is set to work to do in our lives. The Spirit is to help us give and receive grace. And many of us struggle to give and receive grace because we can't acknowledge the truth about ourselves because the truth is ugly and it's negative and we don't want to, to deal with it. So we don't talk about it and we don't want to deal with it. But that's the problem with this family. In this, they, they struggle to give and receive grace to one another. The second verse was this one right here, and this was also uh, John, but this is not Jesus speaking. This is John writing, and he says, if, if, we, if we say we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. So if, if, we, if we say like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. There's nothing wrong here. We're fine. There's nothing wrong. We're, we're not accepting the truth. And I think that's also what's going on in this family. They're trying to keep up an image that's crumbling. And they're all carrying the burden of it. It's the burden of perfection. It's the burden of keeping up appearances. The burden of protecting the family story or the family image. The burden of unrealistic expectations. And that's why things are starting to crumble. Because everybody is feeling the pressure. And, and you can't carry those burdens for, for very long. Eventually we crack under the pressure. The most meaningful song to me in the movie it was actually one that I'd never heard before because I'd only heard Bruno before the movie. But it was, uh, it was one called Surface Pressure. And I want to show you the first minute and a half or so of this song. Uh, Lusa is Maribel's sister. She's the strong one in the family. So if you're the strong one in the family, you, you might relate to this. But she's the strong one in the family. Um, and things aren't exactly what they appear to be on the surface. So watch this. Did not see the rest of that song. Uh, I, I, I did the sing-along version of that one because I wanted you to read the lyrics to it as it went. And um, th that's what I mean. Like, how do they know? How do, these people that are writing these songs, how do they know what's going on? But uh, it's such a well-written song. Because we don't have superhuman strength like, like Louisa. But a lot of us pretend like we have superhuman strength. And that's why we say it's fine. It's fine. When you ask us how things are going, it's fine. It, or, or, how, how are you handling everything? Nope, I'm good. I'm good. I'm handling it fine. And right after this song, her sister sings a song about the burden of perfection. And so every single person in the family is struggling with this. And they all have different ways that they're struggling with the pressure. Because it's this pressure, the, the weight of expectations and the weight of kind of maintaining the image and that kind of stuff. And Abula's, the way she struggles with it is she denies it to everybody. She tells everybody it's fine, I'm fine, everything's fine. She smiles and pretends like everything is okay. Bruno hides. 
Same thing. He's dealing with the same problems. He just runs and hides and won't, won't face the problems. But there is a way out. There is another way of dealing with the same feelings that doesn't involve pretending or hiding. And the key is in those two verses that I read. If you read the rest of 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, like if you read verse 9, it says, The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone. Whoops, I got the wrong verse up there. It's coming. That's why I opened this up. Anyone who, I got to find it. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, truth and not in us. This is what it continues with. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's the, that's the follow-up. It acknowledges like if we pretend like everything's okay, uh, we're fooling ourselves. But if we confess it, if we own it, if we're honest about it, then God can begin to do his work in us. The rest of uh, John chapter 8, verses 34 and 36, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave's not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you're truly free. So it's again, it's, it's this acknowledging the truth and, and owning who you are so that you can be set free from G, by Jesus. And in order to be set free from Jesus, we have to surrender control. So we surrender uh, control of our image. We can surrender control of the story. We surrender uh, control of the expectations. We surrender control of our reputation. We surrender control of uh, trying to make everything look the right way to the right people. And when we surrender to those things, we allow God's Spirit to work in our lives because there's another verse, I'm going to show it to you, that God's Spirit works better in weakness than in perceived strength or pretend strength. So when, when we're trying to pretend like everything's okay and I got this and I'm fine and we're good and we're good and it's okay and we're good, God will allow us to, to live in that delusion for as long as we want to live in that delusion. It's when we finally are able to admit, I, I need help, or I'm struggling here, or I, this, this weight is too much for me, this burden is too much for me to carry. It's when we're finally able to, to ask for and seek help that we start to receive help. And the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, to keep me from becoming proud... And I love this is from the uh, New Living Translation, I think it is. To keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. And three times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That to me is the ultimate message of Encanto. And at the end of the movie, I'm not going to show you the movie, but at the end of the movie you see it. Because it's when Abula is finally able to recognize it's not everybody else, it's me. When she owns her stuff, then the family is able to find some healing. Let's pray. Father, I am thankful for uh, 
the way that your story works its way into every story. And people who, who made a movie that had no intention of tying it to Scripture and no intention of tying it to Jesus, they taught us scriptural truths because your truth is eternal and your truth is universal and it, it finds its way into every story. And so, Father, I pray for... Um, for our families here at this church, I pray for those that, that maybe feel that pressure and, and feel that, you know, the, the expectation of trying to keep up images and keep up the perceptions and those things. May we have the freedom to let go of that. And may we have the freedom to allow you to work through our weaknesses. Um, may we have the freedom to, to believe that your grace is sufficient for us. That no matter what's going on in our lives, your grace is sufficient for us. And it's through the name of your son, Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. All right, next week. Come tonight if you want to see the whole movie. It's, there's more than I could hit on in this sermon. But next week, uh, we move to what? King Richard. So uh, kids' movies are over. This one's PG-13, just FYI. Uh, but we go to King Richard, and this is the one that Will Smith won an Academy Award for right after he slapped the guy that presented it to him. So, and, and he used King Richard as the reason why he did it. So that's what I want to talk about next week. We're going to talk about that. Um, we are giving today. Don't forget that as you leave. You can do it's through the boxes as you leave, or most of you do it electronically. And don't forget tonight. Yeah, just that'll, that'll be on the screen. Don't forget tonight to come back at 6 p.m. if you want to join us for that one. Okay? Thanks for being here today, and I'll see you tonight or next Sunday. If you are encouraged by today's talk, feel free to share it with your friends. Please also consider rating and subscribing on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more, please visit us online at murrayhills.com.